And happy Mother's Day, everybody. Uh, moms, we are so glad you're here today. We hope you enjoy your special day. We love you. We honor you. We pray for you. And we pray also for our, all of our special women today. For those who have lost their moms, for those who wanted to become moms, but for whatever reason uh, weren't given that opportunity, and for all of those who will be moms someday, and all of the hopes and the dreams that you have that are in front of you, we are with you, and today we celebrate you. We're just thankful for how you love and how you encourage and how you teach us about the very heart of God who loves us deeply right where we are no matter what, and that is the heart of a mom. So happy Mother's Day. Uh, moms, we pray that you're blessed. We pray that you are caffeinated uh, today as we had lattes for ladies, and, uh, and we pray that you have a, just a, a, an incredible uh, day today. I pray you feel encouraged. Uh, have you guys ever play, played the game Two Lies and a Truth? Two lies, or wait, two truths and a lie. <laughs> two truths and a lie. It's a party game where you tell three things about yourself, and two of them are true, and one of them is a lie. Uh, for example, I might say, I once ate a huge spoonful of guacamole, only to find out it was actually wasabi. Uh, I've cut my own hair for the last 25 years. I'm a huge Steelers fan. Yes, obviously, obviously, I'm not a Steelers fan. Now, that one is obvious. What about this one? I once met Terry Bradshaw on an airplane. I once had a conversation with a president. I once spoke for a political rally. Which one's the lie? <laughs> I, did, I, uh, I did meet uh, President uh, George W. Uh, one time, and he asked me to pray for him. I once spoke for a political rally, uh, a, a Democratic mayor, uh, Mayor uh, Dick Church in Miamisburg. Uh, I did not meet Terry Bradshaw. I did, however, meet Joe Montana on an airplane in 1985. Now, the more that you know me, the more that you know which one is the truth and which one is not the truth. Because the more you know the person, the more you find out what is real about them and the better you know the truth the more that you can see the lie. And friends, the Bible says that we have an enemy of our soul, and he is a great deceiver. The devil seeks to devour us, and he is a great liar. The Bible says about him in John chapter 8, verse 44, that the devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But the more that you know the truth, the more you're able to see the liar, the more you're able to understand and to point out the deceiver. And today we're going to continue in our series on 1 John. We're just going verse by verse in this book, and we're looking at the words of a disciple of Jesus named John and how he was writing to Christians in a city called Ephesus, and he was telling them how to live the best life possible as followers of Jesus. And in 1 John chapter 2, beginning with verse 18, we're going to see that he warns Christians about the Antichrist. That's right, the Antichrist. No, no greater Mother's Day message has ever been given <laughs> than to talk about the Antichrist on Mother's Day. And no, moms, I'm, I'm not talking about your junior high students, okay? I'm talking about the Antichrist. But by the end of the message today, and what we often learn about Scripture is, that no matter what the subject matter is, 
that somehow we end up challenged and encouraged. And moms, I, I pray that'll happen for you today. First John chapter 2, verse 18 says, Dear children, this is the last hour. As you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it's the last hour. Now in the Bible, we read a few times about what is called the Antichrist, also in other places called the man of lawlessness. Some people believe that that's a person that at the end of the world will come and, and will deceive people. They believe that this person might be a political leader or might influence the nations in some way. They often attach the name of a specific president or a dictator and say that person is the Antichrist. And that's possible. I, I don't particularly read it that way. In fact, one of the ways that helps me is I read another passage of Scripture called 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and in this, he describes the man of lawlessness. So it's a bit lengthy, but listen to this verse. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by prophecy or word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. For that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And now you know what is holding him back, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and to be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. Now, there is a lot in those verses. It is possible that this is a specific person that will deceive the nations. It's possible that it's a leader that will lead people astray, but I don't particularly buy into those theories uh, when they try to bring that to mind. You know what I think makes sense? I think that the man of lawlessness is the devil. We read in verse 4, it describes him. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or his worship. He sets himself on God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Friends, who does that sound like? I mean, could it be, hmm, Satan? <laughs> For those of you who didn't laugh, you weren't alive in the 1980s, and you never <laughs> have heard of Dana Carvey or Saturday Night Live, or you can YouTube it. It's there, church lady. Do you remember that scene in the movie, The Passion of the Christ, where Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and the devil was tempting him? Um, these verses say that Jesus will overthrow this individual. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, you remember in that movie where it showed the image of the devil as a serpent, and when Jesus finishes praying, he stands up and he crushes the head of the serpent, therefore creating the image, the idea that Jesus uh, crushes the head of Satan. He, he squashes the power of sin and death on the cross. Yes, the devil still influences people and deceives people, 
but the power is limited. And those who have received Christ and have the Holy Spirit in their life, they have the ability to ward off the devil's lies. And Jesus crushes the head of the enemy. Verse 9 says, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. How does Satan work? He's a deceiver. He makes sin look appealing. He downplays the consequences. He tells you that you have every right to satisfy your desires. He tells you that it's no big deal. So when I read in the Bible about the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, I don't try to attach a specific political leader or public figure to it. I directly look at Satan. And whether or not it is exactly him or someone that he is using, the the idea here is that he is a deceiver and an accuser. But then the Bible tells us that it's not just one individual. In fact, 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 says, even now many antichrists have come. Wait, that completely blows away the idea that one great antichrist at the end of the world is going to be here. Instead, there are many antichrists that have come. And we see this in several places in the scripture. 2 John chapter 1, verse 7 says, I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. 1 John chapter 4, verse 3 says, Every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the great spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. I mean, what does the word Antichrist mean? Just against Christ. The Antichrist is anyone, human or spirit, that opposes the Lord Jesus Christ and denies who he is. And the point is, let's not look outside to see someone else who might be attempting to deceive. Let's look at the enemy of our souls who is attempting to deceive us every day. 1 Peter 5, verse 8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith. And so we must stand firm. That is really the message that John is trying to offer us and to try to offer the Christians in Ephesus. He says, this is what that looks like. When somebody opposes Christ. And so I came up with an outline today um, that kind of rhymes. And I hope you'll remember it because those who are against Christ, the first thing they do is they fly. And what I mean by that is they leave. And they often take other people with them. First John chapter 2, verse 19 says, They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. John is saying... People that are against Christ, anti-Christ, are those who once belonged to us, but now they're gone. They were here, but now they're left. They took off. They were once a part of the faith. They were part of the family of Christ, but now over time they have left. They started out well, but then they faded. Dr. Johnny Presley at Cincinnati Christian University once said that there are three ways to kind of divorce yourself from your faith. The first way is spiritual suicide. This is a deliberate decision that someone makes to say, I don't believe in the Lord anymore. I don't want to have any relationship with him. The second way, he said, is that we're strangulation by sin. Allowing sin to continue and to flourish in our life without fighting against it. It is this strangulation of your faith. But the last one, he said, is slow starvation, a long-term neglect of spiritual nurturing. As Casting Crowns once wrote, be careful, little eyes, what you see. It's the second glance that, le- that ties your hands as darkness pulls the strings. Be careful, little feet, where you go, for it's the little feet behind you that are sure to follow. It's a slow fade. 
when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white have turned to gray and thoughts invade, choices made, a price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. Now, each of those are dangerous. Spiritual starvation, spiritual suicide, spiritual uh, neglect or, or allowing sin to, to entangle you. But I think one of the most dangerous and one of the lies of the enemy that causes many of us to stumble is the one that just is simply that idea of neglect in moms and dads. When it comes to the family, this can happen in the home as well. When we allow other things to take our time and attention and we give less time and attention to the Lord and His work, and that begins to fade. Maybe our faith is still strong, but what about the faith of the next generation? When we stop making the church a priority and other things take precedent, one Sunday miss becomes two, and two becomes five, and pretty soon the children begin to think, it's just not that important. I've seen this happen so many times. Here's a couple that's very involved. They love the church. They're in a relationship with others. They're in a community group. They serve, but we start to see them less, and I start to think, I haven't seen them for a while, and then I write them a message, hey, been missing you. I often put that on myself because I write something like, but I'm not at Mason every weekend. Uh, every other, I'm at Middletown, so maybe it's just me, but I feel like I haven't seen you in a while. I asked their community group leader, hey, they haven't been here for a while, have they? And they go, no, they checked out a while ago. And then one day, they're no longer around at all. They didn't plan it. It just happened. They just left. Here's a couple that got upset about something relatively small in the church. They didn't want to talk it through with anybody in leadership, but they decided to make an issue, and even an issue of gossip. They wanted to have others join them in their frustration, and one day they just quit. And friends, I have seen that happen so often. They allow frustration at one church, not just to impact their relationship with that church, but to affect their relationship with all churches. And later, I'll see them, like somewhere like in a grocery store, and they see me, but they act like they didn't. And I love that moment because I always walk up to them. Hey, how are you? It is so good to see you. And I mean it. I, it is. And then through conversation, I realized that not only have they left our church, they've left every church. And somehow they've just decided that they're no longer with Christ. It's a slow fade. And friends, instead of leaving, we as believers and followers of Jesus, we stay committed to Christ and his church. Yes, sometimes it gets hard, but stay. Some of you today, you're exhausted. You carry a burden. You're tempted to quit. You're worn out. You're, if you're here and you're like, man, I'm exhausted trying to be more and do more and be better and do the right thing. Gosh, I don't even know what the right thing is anymore. Can I just say to you, Christ has become what you cannot become. Christ has done what you will never be able to do. Jesus said, come to me. All you are heavy burdened. Everybody who's weighed down. And I'll give you rest. So instead of leaving, stay. The second thing they do is they lie. They deceive and they lead people away from the truth. 1 John chapter 2 verse 20 says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. But then he says, who is the liar? It's whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. That's the Antichrist. And I would say to you, be aware. People who are against Christ, who are anti-Christ, seek to deceive. And that is so prevalent today. The devil knows the truth, but he wants to deceive people. He wants them to buy into a, a concept that there is no truth, that everything is relative these days. Just like he did in the beginning when he lied to Adam and Eve 
And he said, listen, don't believe God. I know that God told you if you eat from the tree of the garden of good and evil, then the tree of good and evil, then you will surely die. But you won't surely die. You'll become like God. And he lied to them. And they ate. And they paid the price. There are so many lies out there that our culture is teaching our children. Truth is relative. It's your truth. There is no God. Here's a truth. There's a truth. Everywhere, a truth, truth. But in the meantime, there is no God. And friends, there is a truth. Jesus Christ said, I am truth. He is the embodiment of truth. And when something is true, by the way, something else is false. And I know that affects those of you who feel like this is just your safe place and you don't want to hear things like that. You're telling me I'm wrong? Yeah, if something is true, something is false. And we're in a world where we're trying to please everybody and make everybody like us, and we're tolerant of every other idea out there because we just have a hard time saying that if something is true, something is false. That's why we're so unstable. I see it all the time, and it concerns me a lot. I see parents who are buying into this philosophy. You're a parent. You might have been guided in truth in your own life, but now you have bought into a little bit of this cultural trend that there is no truth. And the real problem here is today that we are raising kids who do not know what they believe. And there is an absolute truth out there. Either there is a God or there is no God. He created the heaven and the earth or he did not. Jesus Christ came to the earth or he didn't. He died for our sins or he didn't. He rose from the grave or he didn't. The Bible is God's word or it is not. So go study. Go learn. Look into the evidence. And if all of those things are true, then stand on the truth. Teach them to your children. Grow in your faith. Guide your kids into truth and do it in love. And so instead of deceiving, we speak the truth in love. We teach our children the truth. We understand the Bible. We do it in love because we're not going to walk around with a judging figure all the time. That's not our job. Let's not do God's role. Let's just do our role. Love God and love people. And in the meantime, tell people the truth. Instead of deceiving, they speak the, we speak the truth in love. So they fly, they lie, and they deny. And friends, chat GPT does not create outlines like that. Come on. Those of you who aren't into AI, you have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. It's all right. You will. You'll figure it out here soon. But they deny, they disbelieve that Jesus Christ is God. First John chapter 2, verse 22 says, Who is the liar? It is anyone who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father, but whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. They deny that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus, they say, is just a man, a teacher, a philosopher, but don't call him God. He's not God, not God in the flesh. In fact, I don't even know if I believe in a God. And if there is a God, I certainly don't know him. And I can't know him. And I'm just, I'm just comfortable in that way because I just don't know if I have faith at all. They deny that Jesus Christ ever, said, ever is who he said he was. And friends, instead of denying, we hold firmly to the faith. Well, that's why when somebody comes to faith in Christ, we ask them this question. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? And what we're asking them to declare is the truth. That they don't deny Jesus, but instead they accept Jesus. 
They say yes to him. They say he's made a difference in my life. They say that God is real, that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and resurrect from the grave, and therefore he's changing my life. I receive that truth into my life. And friends, we need that truth. Sometimes life is hard, and we need that truth, especially when life is hard. Um, I often have to weigh the balance between just completely giving you all of my um, challenges in life and yet also trying to figure out how do you lead well in the midst of sharing those things? How do you tell people what's happening in your life without them feeling sorry for you, but at the same time rallying around and uh, the things uh, that you were going through? The other day, Josh and I met with a guy and he sat down with us and he said, uh, the first thing he said was, hey, how you doing? And I said, well, um, truth is that it's been a bit of a challenging week. And our daughter, Rebecca, who is expecting a baby, is in the hospital right now, and she is. She has a bad kidney infection, and, um, and so we're walking through that right now. And, and he sat back in his chair, and he said, that is the most real answer I've ever received to that question. I'm like, well, you ask, you know. And uh, it has been a hard week. But in the middle of those times, you have to ask yourself, is your faith real? I was with Jonathan, my brother, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he's lost quite a lot of weight, although he's had a better week this week, and he's gained a couple pounds, but he had lost somewhere between 35, 40 pounds. He's had trouble eating since he's had pancreatitis. And as we were talking there, he just read the verse, quoted the verse from Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. That verse has become a guiding verse for him because in the middle of pain and hardship and suffering, it's good to remember that we trust in the Lord. If, if you, I know sometimes I do this. I'm like, God, can you help me figure out where's this going to go? I mean, where are we going to end up here? How are we going to end up on the good side of any of this? And then in the middle of that, you realize that if, if you knew the answer to that question, then it wouldn't be called trust. It wouldn't be called faith. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And so can I say, instead of leaving, instead of deceiving, instead of denying, we abide. We stay. We remain. First John chapter 2, verse 24, as for you, as for those who are not against Christ, See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you, but his anointing teachers teaches you about all things. And that anointing is real, not counterfeit. Just as it is taught to you, remain in him. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Remain. Stay. Continue in your relationship with God. Don't lose faith. When, when J.B. decided to start with our other young adults, a worship experience, they decided to call it Abide. 
John chapter 15, Jesus said, abide in me and I will abide in you. Remain in the vine and you will bear much fruit. So stay. I know that sometimes we get discouraged. Remain. I know that sometimes we lose faith, but don't. Stay committed. Instead of leaving, stay committed to Christ in this church. Instead of deceiving, speak the truth in love. Instead of denying, we hold firm to the faith. Or put it another way, don't fly and don't but lie and don't deny. Just abide. Just stay. Now, are you going to make mistakes? Yes. But don't leave. Don't hurt people. Love them. Uh, but stay committed. When I was a kid growing up in North Carolina, my papa and mamma owned a nursing home that they started. On the same property was their house. It had a small in-ground pool, which we loved. <laughs> and then there was our house. And then my aunt and uncle's house was there as well. And between my house and my aunt and uncle's house was a creek that had this huge half-acre garden that my papa tended. My mom used to take us as kids to stride right shoes. Anybody remember stride right shoes? In High Point. And this was such a big deal. Uh, when I was there one time with her as a little kid, a shoe caught my eye. It was a boy's hush puppy suede boot. I brought a picture of what it looks like. I, I love them. I got fitted in, and my mom bought me these shoes, and I was so excited. And when I got home, I wanted to go down to my cousin's house and show them these brand new suede hush puppy boots from Stride Right. And after we played for a while, it was time to go home. Now, there were a lot of different ways I could have chosen to go home. I could have walked down their driveway to the road, and I could have walked uh, down the road to my house. Uh, I could have walked across the bridge over the creek uh, through the grassy field and into my backyard, and I could have chosen that path. I walked the road less traveled. Uh, I decided uh, that I was going to go across the creek. And so for whatever reason, I walked through the creek and then I started across the muddy, wet garden that hadn't been planted yet. And I can still remember my feet getting stuck with every step. And at first, it seemed fun. I actually almost thought it was like a challenge. But the longer I was in the garden, the more I realized I was in trouble. And by the time I got to the other side, my brand new suede hush puppies from Stride Right were completely covered in mud. And I was scared. I got home, I took off my new shoes, and I put them by the garage door. I went to my room. It took a while, but my mom eventually noticed. What did you do? What seemed like a good idea at the time didn't seem so fun to me anymore. And the truth is, I really don't remember getting punished for that. I can imagine that my mom lovingly told me to get ready for supper, but you know what I do remember? My muddy shoes sat there by that garage door for a long time. Perhaps it was a gentle reminder from my mom about what is lost when you choose to walk in the mud. Matt Chandler one time said, it's human nature that if we believe we have offended, we avoid. I think what's so stunning about what's happening here is that Jesus says, if you abide in me, I abide in you. We're welcomed and delighted in because of Christ. There is no reason to avoid God. I can't tell you how often and how normal it is for people to think that they have to clean themselves up before they can approach the Lord. The Bible doesn't say, play it out like that. 
He doesn't ask you to clean yourself up. He asks you to come so that He can clean you up. And for everybody who's ever blown it, for everybody who's chosen their own pathway, for everybody who has chosen to walk in the mud, can I just tell you that we have a heavenly Father who loves you and who says, it's time to come home. And when you get home, yes, there's a gentle reminder of boots by the garage door. Yes, there are consequences for our behavior. Yes, there are things that happen. But at the same time, God invites you in, cleans you up, and says, hey, it's time to come to the table. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And Jesus, the Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so, guys, today, instead of denying Jesus, receive Christ. Instead of accepting maybe a lie, believe the truth. Instead of being one of these people that says, I want to leave, I want to depart, I want nothing to do with Christ and his family, would you be willing to come back to the table just as you are? And Christ will accept you there. In the meantime, let's all just pray for strength, because how many even know we need it? Amen? And God, we just thank you so much today. Thank you for the parents that we saw earlier who stand with their kids. God, there's so much life to come in their life, so much they have yet to experience. And so, God, pray that you give those parents wisdom and guidance. God, for, for those in here in this room today that need an encouraging word, I'm speaking to a mom today who just needs to hear the message to abide, to remain, remain in Christ, remain in worship, Remain in godly friendships with people. Remain. Stay close to the vine so that she might be able to do the work that you've called her to do. God, for a father I'm speaking to today, a dad who needs that reminder as well to be that kind of dad, be that kind of man, to stay in the fight, to be encouraging, to be loving, to be kind, to be the kind of individual, God, that leads his family well. God, for those who are young people who are threatened to, to leave the faith because of all the cultural trends that are out there, and they don't even know what the truth is, God, I pray that they would come to the truth, the knowledge, the saving truth that Jesus loves them, that just as they are. And God, for all of us, I pray that we would just do what the Bible says to do when we don't know what else to do, that we would just abide. And in that, Somehow you're going to lead us and guide us, and, and you're going to bring us to a place where we look back and say, God, you had it all figured out. I don't know how. You had it all ready. So God, today we trust you with all of our hearts. We pray this in Christ's name.